0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's the BMW Blog Podcast, and it's episode 35. Uh, today, we don't have any guests. We actually had a couple of good guests in a row, really good guests in a row, actually. We had Joe Achilles uh, and then Jason Camisa, who was two parts. Uh, so actually, three episodes in a row, we had a guest, just two different guests. Um, but three episodes in a row, we had some really good guests, and uh, we're going to have some more for you soon. We have some, some more lined up, so that's going to be really great, But uh, and some people that we're really excited to talk to. But uh, for this week, you only have me, so uh, get used to my nasally voice. But we have some good topics, so that's good. So maybe that'll make up for just hearing me. But um, some really big news, actually, this week for BMW and some stuff we want to talk about. Um, First of which I think is the most important, and we'll we'll kick off with that. But first of which is uh, the possibility of a BMW M3 Touring. Um, we've gotten some word that the M3 Touring is going to exist, um, but you know nothing's confirmed just yet. But we want to talk about that. Then there's the leak of the BMW 2 Series Coupe, and uh, we also want to talk about the cancellation of the BMW Vision M Next concept car. Um, but so those are the three really good topics. But let's kick off with the M3 Touring because I think that's the most important thing here, right? I mean, BMW fans for yeah, forever. Have been begging BMW to make an M3 touring and it's because BMW the the M3 is the quintessential uh, M car right I mean it's, it's it wasn't the first M car ever but it's the one that really put the M division on the map it's the one that really defined the brand I mean it has to because the 3 series is the car that defines BMW as a brand so the M version is what defines the M division and because the m3 is its most definitive product and because it's also probably i mean maybe even still to this day has but it historically it has been the best sporty daily driver you know uh, there's there's more often than not been a sedan version of the m3 and even the coupes are sort of two-door sedans in the sense that they have back seat like functioning back seats and big trunks um but you know every M3 you can sort of you can drive them every day. They're they're comfortable enough to drive every day, and you can put kids in the back seat and they have big trunks and they're practical. You can use them every day. So the idea of a touring version, which is even more practical and even more useful every day, um, is, is extremely appealing to a lot of customers. Um, and also wagons are just cool. So the idea of a really fast high-performance wagon uh, is awesome. So that's something that BMW fans have really been begging BMW for, and it's never it's never come to fruition. BMW has never actually made uh, an M3 Touring before. They've made M5 Tourings, but never an M3 Touring, and that is kind of bizarre because BMW is the company that has always said that if whatever fans want, it'll make. Right? Well, fans have been begging for this for decades, so. Why haven't you made it? And BMW actually did toy with the idea with the E46. So the E46 M3 tour, touring was a real thing. They, they made like a concept car. Uh, they made, you know, not a concept car, actually, I'm sorry, a production prototype. They made they made one. Um, and then they realized that, I, I guess, maybe the numbers didn't work out, and they figured, uh, you know, they wouldn't sell well enough, so they didn't actually put it into production. But they made a prototype of a production version. I mean, it looks like a production car uh but that was the the end of it they never actually followed through with that and then never really um kind of toured with the idea after that and until now that is actually because we have gotten word now that's just what we've heard but it's from a source that we can't name but is very reliable um we've heard that bmw has greenlit the m3 touring now none of this is confirmed i want to make that very very clear That none of this is confirmed there's no we've gotten no official word from any BMW uh, executives Um, but we have heard from a reliable source that the 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 brass up at BMW M has greenlit the M3 and that it will come to market and that's what we've heard I'm not saying uh, that it absolutely will but we've been told that it will not that they're like thinking about it we've been told that it will come to market uh, in about 2023 so not for a while but that there will be an m3 touring it's probably you know maybe fa- around facelift you know lci facelift time uh, there'll be a wagon model which is extremely exciting and it's extremely exciting for several reasons one it's finally an m3 touring you know it's finally here um if it does actually end up being true if what we've been told does end up being true uh, an m3 touring will finally be here that will be the most incredible day for bmw fans Uh, it'll be the first of its kind and something that you know fans have been begging for for a long time uh and i and i think actually this is the perfect time for it i've said this before um this m3 this generation of m3 is the most perfectly set up m3 for a wagon body style because of the fact that it is um it's all-wheel drive. Well, it has an option of all-wheel drive. So that immediately just makes it more usable all the time, which works well, it coincides well with having a wagon body style, which is more practical. So it's a better daily driver than it ever has been. Um, it's also the most high-tech. It's also the most comfortable, you know, in terms of, you know, interior quality and technology and, and things like that. It's, the, it's going to be the most livable M3 ever, really. So giving it a wagon body style just really complements that, that uh, everyday usability of this M3. Then there's also the fact that if this wagon goes on sale and it, it does actually end up getting made, um, and again, even if it does get made, we have no idea what sort of packaging or you know, uh, your trim levels or equipment levels uh, it will have, because a lot of the time when BMW comes, up, comes out with cars like this, um, they often tend to have specific trim levels. Uh, You know, like maybe it only comes in competition uh, spec with, you know, an automatic transmission and all-wheel drive. You know, sometimes BMW does that. But uh, there's a possibility that you could have a BMW M3 Touring that's a rear-wheel drive with a twin-turbocharged straight-six engine and a six-speed manual transmission. That's a real possibility now. And just that notion, I think I have to have some orange slices or something because I'm about to pass out. Because that is an incredible, that is an incredible proposition, and it's such a good one in fact. And just the wagon coming will actually make up for the enormously ugly grill that's going to be on the front of the M3. Because let's face it, uh, the grill isn't getting a great reception. This new grill design that first debuted on the Concept 4 and is now going to be on the M4 and the M3 and all these uh, these new uh, three and four series products. Um, It's just not well received. Some people like it, or at least don't hate it. But, you know, for the most part, uh, it's been getting really, really bad media coverage. It's been getting poor reviews. I mean, we talk to designers, they just kind of look at it with a bewildered, they look like a dog that just heard a funny noise, you know, they tilt their head, like they just can't figure out why BMW would put such a oddly shaped grill, uh, a disproportionately large grill on the front of the M3. Uh, an M4, no one really can understand what the decision there was. Uh, it's very bizarre and it doesn't look good. Um, and of course, we'll get used to it like we get used to everything, but it, it's, it's certainly a huge shock and it, it's not the prettiest of things. So, because it's so negatively re- received at the moment, I think BMW putting out a wagon will make fans either forget it entirely. Forget the new grill entirely, or or forgive the grill. They'll be able to say, "Well, I don't care that its grill is weird. I can get a straight six M3 wagon with a manual and rear wheel drive, and that's the car I want. So I don't really care that its grill looks weird. Um, you know, I don't care that it's fugly. I want that machine, and I'm gonna buy one. And I think that it'll, I think a wagon version will actually really, really forgive that grill. I think that will have, or at least allow fans to forgive that grill." Um so I think it's a wise move on BMW's part to be honest and maybe maybe that's the uh, motivation behind the move. Maybe they saw uh, all the negative publicity and like, "All oh, right, we got to distract 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 from the distract from the grill." Um, but, but again, but again, nothing is confirmed. It's just what we've heard. Our sources are reliable and our sources are not often wrong, but um, again, we're not going to officially say anything is confirmed cuz it isn't. But It's extremely exciting news. I just hope that we don't get super excited for no reason and then, you know, get our hopes up and then BMW crush them into tiny little pieces because that would be disappointing. However, uh, I think think there's a good chance. Personally, I just think there's a good chance um, because we heard whispers a long time ago, maybe six months to a year ago that BMW was, like, sort of thinking about maybe contemplating about bringing up the idea of an M3 touring in a board meeting. Like, it was so, it was just, it was the faintest of faintest possibilities. And uh, now we're hearing this again. So I think, you know, when you hear rumors multiple times about the same thing from different sources, I think, uh, I think there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. So that's just me personally. I think there's a good chance that, um that we might actually realistically see a BMW M3 touring in the next couple of years. And that would be amazing. That would genuinely be amazing. And it would be the best thing BMW has done in ages. Um, I think it would be a really incredible moment also for BMW fans because it would seem like, okay, they're finally listening. BMW's finally listening to what we want. Uh, because over the past few years, BMW's made some bewildering moves. Uh, moves that have upset a lot of the enthusiast fan base like switching the 2 series grand coupe to front wheel drive and you know all sorts of weird things like that uh that have really upset the brand or the brand's you know loyal fans so i think putting out an M3 wagon will be a return to form and and fans will really appreciate that so i think it's a, it's a smart move if BMW does end up doing it another thing i want to talk about is um the BMW 2 series so uh, let's move away from the M3 a little bit and talk about the 2 Series, the next generation 2 Series Coupe. Not the Grand Coupe, not the uh, the Grand Corolla, as Jason Kamisa called it last episode. But um, the new 2 Series Coupe, because it just got leaked, so some photos of it came out um, on Instagram. They showed off a black, uh, what looked like an M240i. In you know without any camouflage, and it looked like it was kind of a behind-the-scenes photo, and someone might be in trouble. But um, it did get leaked, and it looks pretty good. Uh, It does. It looks it looks like a two-series coupe, and we've seen um, spy photos and stuff, so we get the idea of the proportions and the profile and the silhouette and how it's going to look, and you know you know kind of its shapes, and and it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the one series actually, which I guess is a good thing, the one series coupe. Um, it looks pretty good though. It's, I think it's going to be a good looking car. I don't love the headlights that were leaked in these, in these photos. They just kind of look a bit blah. Like they don't look great. They're, they're not bad. They're just kind of like bleh. But you know what? I'll take blah right now because with BMW's penchant for massive grills, I'll take a little bit of, uh, uh understatement. <laughs> you know, I'll take a little bit of reserved styling in my BMWs now. So, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's good that BMW is going with a kind of a simpler, um, more elegant design with the 2 Series Coupe and not something so outlandish, especially because the 2 Series is one of their less expensive cars. So, uh, you know, it typically caters to a younger audience or at least, um, you know, yeah, it's a younger audience, I would say, actually. I think that's a fair, fair way to put it. Um, it's their younger audience, and because of that, BMW right now, at least actually, it's not just BMW; it's all German automakers. When they see, when they hear the words like "younger audience," they tend to just go real flashy and hip to try to attract the millennials. Um, but you know, you look at like the Mercedes A-Class and the Audi A3, and they're very like flashy and edgy, and they have like all these crazy interior techie bits to, you know, kind of try to get us millennials with our ADD to uh, get in there and uh, you know play with all the funky buttons and look at the funky styling, but it looks like BMW has taken a more reserved approach with the 2 Series, and that's good. I think that's a good thing. I think it's wise. Uh, it's always been BMW style to have, you know, kind of reserved, you know, style. Um, it's been BMW's way. That's BMW's never been the flashy brand. It's never been the, the brand with, um, you know, gigantic grills, for instance. Um, so it's good to see that return to form with the 2 Series, and most importantly, it's, it's nice to know that it's going to stay rear-wheel drive. Um, you know, we're not going to have another two series Grand Coupe on our hands where it becomes essentially of, you know, a four door mini sedan. Um, and actually, to be honest, it's not even, I, that's actually insulting to the mini because every mini drives better than the two series Grand Coupe. So um, it's nice to know that it's going to go back to just a rear wheel drive coupe. Um, and it's going to. Have a penchant for sp- for sporty handling. I mean, we've even been told that the M2 is the, the next generation M2 is a monster. Like, it's going to be a monster. Obviously, I don't think they have like even pre production models yet, but um, from what we've been told, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of crazy. So, hearing that is very encouraging. It's very good news, especially in this modern climate of just cars in general, not just BMW, but cars in general becoming, you know, less interesting and kind of more. Uh, everything's just gray, you know, everything's just like a gray blob now, everything's the same, it's kind of getting a little bit depressing, Uh, everything's going front-wheel drive, and everything's kind of a crossover, and everything's getting electrified, and everything's the same, but so it's nice to see, like, a a proper rear-wheel drive coupe coming from a premium brand, because it's the only one in its segment, I mean, everything else, you know, there are no other rear-wheel drive coupes in that segment from anyone, any premium brand you know the the next closest car is the porsche cayman but that is uh you know sixty thousand dollars to start and it's mid-engine and it's a porsche it's you know it, it's not really a two series competitor but mercedes-benz doesn't have a two or you know two series coupe size car um audi certainly doesn't because it doesn't make rear-wheel drive cars anymore or actually ever so that was uh that doesn't exist so it's really a, in a class of its own and it's nice to see that bmw is still going to put the development money into a car like that rather than just chase uh you know it's it's fellow germans because it seems that the german car companies right now they're just in a copycat league they're just copying each other and doing everything that the other one does and trying to replicate each other and now they all kind of drive the same you know it's kind of it's, it's kind of frustrating so it's nice to see bmw still kind of bucking that trend and going with something that maybe isn't the most popular of choices amongst customers but it's one that uh, enthusiasts certainly appreciate and that's nice to see Also, it kind of gives us hope that maybe, I mean, every time BMW does this, comes out with a 2 Series or, you know, whatever it is that's small and rear-wheel drive, it kind of always gives us hope that, like, is this going to be the next, you know, the modern 2002? Because that's what BMW fans have been begging for, you know, since the 3 Series started getting so big. We want that reboot, that reset back to small, just really small proportions, you know, compact rear-wheel drive, simple car that's, that's purely designed to drive great. You know, it's not designed to have the best tech. It's not designed to, uh, you know, be, be the most premium or the most luxurious. It's just designed to be great to drive. And, uh, you know, maybe its styling is proof of that because, again, it's not the flashiest looking car. And BMW has proven right now it's kind of into flashy styling. So when you see that the 2 Series isn't flashy looking, maybe BMW is going for that more simplistic, um, you know, more driver focused. Uh, vibe for the new two series because that would be that'd be fantastic and it seems like there's a, certainly a possibility that that is going to be the case uh will it be a proper modern 2002 that's doubtful of course because in you know this modern world of you know safety and uh you know all sorts of different regulations you, there's just no way to make a modern 2002 anymore but as close as bmw can get within the uh the confines of all the different regulatory bodies uh, i think that would be really really fantastic but the last topic and i think the one that's going to kind of take the longest um i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the vision m next so bmw last year debuted a concept car called the vision m next and it was a concept supercar um that was supposed to be a hybrid m car it was supposed to be like an m division product that was a hybrid mid-engine supercar um and one that was supposed to be you know crazy high-tech and it had wild styling and it kind of paid homage to the bmw m1 and it was it was a really 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 cool concept There was one that i saw in person at pebble beach uh you know up, up close and personal and it was a stunning car to see in person and it drew just tons of attention it was a really really awesome car it was, and it was one that a lot of fans really really liked and i really really hoped that it would you know, they all really, really hope that it would come true, that BMW would actually follow through on one of these crazy concepts and, and make one. Uh, the last time BMW did that was with the i8, and that turned out to be a really uh, incredible-looking car and one that fans really liked. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of optimism behind this Vision M Next. Unfortunately, however, it's been canceled. The M Next is dead, and it won't be made. And BMW honestly has good reason for it. And the 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 reasons for it are, you know, there are several. There there are just so many reasons why the Vision M Next is just not the car for right now. And I mean, if you think about it, it, it there's just no way BMW could make the M Next right now. The, BMW is in a weird place. All automakers are. This is a really strange time for legacy automakers who have to adapt to all these crazy, uh, you know, legislation, legislative changes uh, based on emissions and safety. And, you know, everyone, everyone's pushing towards electrification and infrastructure is changing. And there's just so much going on. And it also seems that governments don't really know what to do, they don't know which direction to go in. And they're kind of. Doing different things, so like you know, some European countries are saying, "Oh, we don't want to have you know, any internal combustion engines, you know, on the road by 2025 20, or I don't know what you know things like that," and then you have uh, countries like the United States who are kind of lax about it and who are kind of just there's no really direction there, and no one really knows what's going on and no one knows where this is going to end up. And um, you know, I was just listening to a podcast with Gordon Murray who was talking about his new C50 and he was talking about he's actually talking about this and. How, you know, electrification is the future, but it's a more distant future than I think that at least that he thinks that a lot of other people think it is. He thinks it's far more distant than they do. And so he thinks that it's silly that these, you know, these governments are putting heavy, uh, you know, restrictions on internal combustion engines right now because uh, it's going to be a long way off before car companies can really start pushing, uh, you know, proper EVs. And it all comes down to technology. Battery tech isn't there quite yet to sustain you know a like a ton of long distance evs that are affordable um you know the the charging infrastructure isn't there yet to make uh, widespread uh, ev use uh realistic you know customers have a hard time finding charging stations right now and you know charging at home you know having the you know level two chargers at home is relatively expensive so it's, it's still in its infancy um despite what brands like tesla and stuff will tell you Um, But despite that BMW still does have to invest Uh, BMW must invest in its electric future. The problem is it's very confusing right now. So BMW needs to kind of Divert all of its resources all of its energy towards that goal, you know, it it, it, there's there's no room for superfluous uh, cars, there is no room for uh, you know fun projects like the M next because BMW, just like every other brand, is going to have to figure out how to survive uh, within the next five to ten years as the whole automotive landscape changes drastically. And, you know, it needs those resources for that transition. So cars like the M Next just can't be made right now. It's just not the right time. Um, it's just completely inappropriate time uh, for such a car. So I, I actually, despite the fact that it was a little disheartening to hear the M next was gone uh, or was killed off I've come around the other way and I I sort of see that there's really no way it could have been made right now it just doesn't make any sense and also um, I'm kind of starting to see the light in the fact that uh, BMW really isn't a supercar maker BMW doesn't need a supercar it's like the last thing BMW needs it should be like on the very bottom of BMW's priority list to make a supercar because it's just not what it does. BMW is a sports car company. They make small sports coupes and sports sedans. Um, you know, cars like su- you know, supercars are just not BMW's wheelhouse. They've only made two. Uh, the BMW M1, and that was barely made by BMW. BMW really only did the engine. You know, the the tube frame chassis was designed by Lamborghini. The body was designed by Giugiaro. Um, it was assembled by you know, Atal design. Jajaro's Atal design, and uh, you know, BMW put the engine in. And that was really it. Uh, the engine was magnificent. Don't get me wrong; it was, and the entire M1 was an incredible car. But it wasn't really a BMW product. It's not something BMW can hang its hat on, like, "Hey, we're a supercar maker because we made the M1." It's not like uh, Lamborghini with the Mura or something like that. Um, you know, it's not really BMW's wheelhouse. And uh, the other car that the other supercar that BMW made was the i8, and it honestly wasn't even really a supercar. I mean, while it looked incredible and it was technically mid-engine. It did not have the performance nor the capability of a supercar. It was, at best, a mid-engine hybrid sports car. Uh, I mean, a 911 is a sports car, and it's cheaper than it well, was cheaper than the I8, and was faster than the I8, and handled better than the I8, and was just better to drive than the I8. So, it the I8 was not a, a, a supercar. Just it just was not um, as, as awesome as it was. That's just not what it was so bmw shouldn't really hang on to the idea of making a supercar because it made the i8 that doesn't or the m1 it just doesn't seem to be logical at that point it's not something that bmw needs it's not something bmw is about uh it's not part of the brand's history i think the the idea of a supercar while fun and admittedly it would be cool to see one uh, i think that idea needs to just kind of die off because it's just not bmw doesn't need one it's just not important Uh, but They'll let BMW focus on what it's good at making and what it historically has made, which is small sporty coupes and sedans. And um, I think that is the direction BMW should should head and not focus on cars like the M Next. Especially when you consider the sort of cars that BMW has to make. So I mean in that same breath, in the same article that we the same article that shed light on the fact that the Vision M Next was cancelled, we also learned that BMW was making an electric M5. So the next M5 will only be electrified. There will be no purely gasoline uh, powertrains in the M5. The next M5 will actually also come with two powertrains, which will be the first time in an M car uh, that it will have two powertrains. So there will be a hybrid version, which will be the same powertrain as the uh, X8M. So it's gonna be, I believe, a twin turbocharged V8 paired with uh, some electric motors and some batteries. And it's rumored that that will make around 750 horsepower, which would make it the most powerful M car ever by a huge amount. But there's also going to be a second powertrain uh, for the M5, as at least that's what we've heard from uh, you know, a very reliable source. And that second powertrain will be all electric, and it will make around 1,000 horsepower, which is insane. But we've also seen that BMW has that sort of capability with the power uh power bev concept uh you know about a year ago when bmw showed off uh, it was basically an electrified five series and it had i think it was nicknamed lucy too and it had like 750 horsepower from just uh you know i think it was three electric motors actually two at the rear one at the front and i think that's what the the next m5 is rumored to have is a three motor you know tri-motor powertrain that we'll have but you know m- 1,000 horsepower, not 750 horsepower, and that is extremely interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's exciting, but it's extremely interesting. That would obviously make it insanely fast, but it would also make it insanely heavy. So we're not really quite sure if that should be a proper M5, but it's from what we understand it's the direction bmw's taking and we don't really blame them that's sort of if bmw wants to keep making super sedans that's really the direction it has to go in you know the automotive world doesn't really have any room for massively wasteful Uh, you know, fuel burning, super high consuming sedans. There's really no more room for that in the automotive landscape anymore. So if BMW wants to keep making cars like the M5, they're going to have to be these big heavy electric cars for now. And obviously the tech will get better and they'll get lighter and and more efficient. But for now, the next M5 is going to have to be all electric and that is going to take up a huge amount of resources. And, uh, you know, the M next just doesn't need to be sucking up those resources. Those resources need to be into making you know an electric m5 and cars like that and by the way for the record if this x8m is really on its way which from what we understand it absolutely is um, and it's going to be the, the first bespoke m car you know the first m car built from the ground up not based on a pre-existing BMW model uh, if that really is going to be a big hybrid SUV just axe that too. <laughs> get rid of that too there's no need for that. That you know, BMW isn't an SUV maker. BMW is a maker of sedans and wagons and coupes. You know, cars like that. There's no need for an X8 M. There's just it, it's just not necessary. Take those resources and dump them into being more efficient. Dump them into being, you know, to making uh, lightweight chassis more. Uh, affordable you know put that money into battery tech and, and motor technology stop developing cars like that like if you're going to cut the m next cut the x8 m2 it just doesn't make any sense to have something so big and bulky and, and wasteful uh in a time when because the x8 m is while it's going to be a hybrid it's still going to be a twin turbocharger v8 in a massive hulking suv that's going to weigh as much as a mountain just get rid of it you know this isn't time for suvs this isn't it's not an appropriate time for being that wasteful just get rid of that sort of thing especially now with you know we've gone through like a pandemic and every car company is hurting desperately um so let's just get rid of the waste cut the fat both literally and figuratively i mean the x8m is a big that's a it's a big beast let's get rid of that thing you know uh, i don't see the point in having that anymore so I think actually it's wise to cut the Vision M next. And to be honest, I think I don't think it should stop there. I think it should start cutting other projects that don't seem super necessary. Cars like an Electrified M5 seem more important to me, at least. And granted, I'm no executive. I'm no uh, expert. But to me, something like an Electrified M5 seems to make more sense than uh, a, um, uh, an X8 M. Excuse me. Uh, I think that seems to be the way forward, and then put that also put that same electric tech into M3s and you know M2s and start putting and you know hell make a tiny little electric sports car, take a two series and make it all electric, you know, do stuff like that, you know. Don't uh, I, I don't think an X8M is an appropriate car right now, and uh, neither is the Vision M next. Also, since we have a little bit of time, and it kind of touches on that on that subject um, a little bit, I just talked about uh, Gordon Murray. Uh, talking about, you know, electrification and things like that. You know, he's been in the the news quite a bit lately. He's been kind of dominating the automotive headlines because of his new T50, which is like the most incredible, you know, he calls it a hyper GT car, but, you know, it's just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. You know, I I don't, I'm no engineer, but I wish I was an engineer. So, uh, you know, seeing it and hearing him talk about it is like, you know, pure, It's just pure engineering porn to me. It's like the most, listening to it's fascinating. I can't stop. But um, one of the things, he was telling a story recently on the Chris Harris podcast, the Collecting Cars podcast with Chris Harris, and he was telling a story about, I mean, famously, if you're a BMW fan, you know that Gordon Murray made the McLaren F1, and the McLaren F1 was powered by a BMW engine. Uh, Paul Rocha made the incredible naturally aspirated V12 that powered the F1. It was one of the most amazing engines of all time. Possibly the greatest engine of all time, and the greatest road car of all time. Um, you know, it's just a sensational machine, and it, it's a legend. And you know, famously, Gordon Murray worked with BMW to make, and Paul Russia specifically to make that engine. And then afterward, he—I've never heard this story. He was telling Chris Harris this story, and I think it's fascinating. And it's that after the F1 came out, BMW was so thrilled with the media coverage about the car because it, it made BMW, you know it shed a huge light on bmw's engine uh, quality you know i mean here's this the most amazing car I've ever made and it has a bmw engine it says bmw you know powered by bmw m on the on the uh valve cover and you know so it was just getting incredible media coverage and bmw was really thrilled so they came back to gordon murray and said how about we do some more cars and and he was happy about that so he took one of their v8s and then he took i think a, a a straight six of theirs and and he designed two new cars and one of them i think the v8 was going to be like a uh i think it was going to be like a, a two-door you know just a pure two-seater sports car and the the straight six was going to be a two plus two coupe and you know he developed he designed the lightweight chassis and he designed you know these really these really great sports cars that were going to be much more affordable than the mclaren f1 they were going to be more like uh maybe porsche 911 turbo price at the time and I think they were still going to be made by McLaren, um, just with, you know, BMW engines. And because he was in charge of McLaren cars at the time. And, you know, he they had all this, he had all these plans drawn up for it. And then at the last second, they were going, he was flying to Munich Airport to meet Paul Rocha. And uh, another BMW executive at the time, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But he was going to meet these BMW executives about this deal and and basically the deal was done you know it was just a handshake away um from having this this deal done and and you know having gordon murray start developing these cars but on the plane ride uh the the owner of mclaren and the boss of mclaren ron dennis tells gordon murray goes by the way we just uh, struck a deal with mercedes to supply engines for our f1 team and gordon Murray was like oh you're killing me like (laughs) the deal's over now they're never gonna want pmw's not gonna want to work with us if, uh, you know, you're using Mercedes engines and F1 and Ron Dennis was like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's fine. Um, you know, it's two separate entities. It's F1 and road cars. Like, they'll understand. Apparently, they didn't understand at all. And as soon as they told them that, uh, at that very same meeting, um, BMW backed out. And uh, we never got those two incredible cars that Gordon Murray had designed because of that, that deal with Mercedes uh, for McLaren's F1 engines. their Formula One engines. And that's kind of a shame and it's really disappointing. And Gordon Murray went on to design the, um, the Mercedes McLaren SLR, which is a really, really, really cool car. Not one that he loved as much as the F1, obviously, but um, it's one that that is still a really cool car, so it's something awesome still came out of uh, you know that deal, I guess. But to think of what he could have made with those BMW engines, and those are the, those are the cars he really wanted to make because he said the engines were lighter and you know they they were I don't know if he, they were better but he said they were lighter and if you know Gordon Murray lighter is better so um, that was kind of his his reasoning and I imagine that two more cars between Gordon Murray and BMW that we could have gotten the world could have gotten um, in higher volumes than the F1 I think they wanted to do like a thousand a year or something so they're actually going to start selling quite a bit of them and uh, you know that's that would have been amazing if that had happened it seems like such a wasted opportunity uh, it's an unfortunate turn of events kind of took those cars away from the world and oh man just thinking about what could have been is uh both amazing and really frustrating at the same time because we could have gotten some crazy cool cars in the late 90s uh and and we didn't and that's kind of a shame so i personally i just wanted to touch on that because uh, i thought that was an incredible story and if, if, if you haven't yet you should go listen to the podcast uh it's Chris Harris is collecting cars podcast with uh, Gordon Murray. It's a great episode and it's fascinating details. There's a lot of BMW stuff in there too, um, because, uh, you know, Gordon Murray used BMW engines in F1 for a while, uh, when he was, you know, in formula one, not for the McLaren F1, when he was actually in formula one, designing race cars and, and whatnot. Um, you know, he used BMW engines a lot. And there's some really cool stories about that stuff in there as well. Um, especially he has a really great story, uh, about him and Paul Russia testing, uh, engines formula one engines so it's really interesting you should go have a listen but uh that's it for episode 35 um we're gonna have some more guests for you uh in the near future so please stay tuned and uh, thank you for listening